Our first reading for this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, starting at verse 8. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those who came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Wherever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it. And remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. Here ends this reading. Our second reading today comes from James chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Here ends our second reading. Heavenly Father, open our ears to receive your promises. We pray, Lord, that we would hear that you are present in our lives and lead us to be your people. In Jesus' name, amen. God's grace and mercy to you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. To get us thinking in a way of remembering, a way of thinking through, as we start off our new series on covenants and promises, I'm going to again ask you to be a little bit interactive. When you think of promises of God, what are the first promises that come to your mind? <laughs> what we just heard, I won't flood the earth again. See, softball was given to you as we have this right here in our reading today. Any other promises that comes to your mind when you hear promises of God? Eternal life. <laughs> One of the big ones.
has promised to be with you always. Wonderful. Heaven, is that what you said? Heaven back here. And so thank you for, from Keisha and Bill running the sound booth of that promise of heaven, of you know where you're going. As you think through some of these promises, it's how quickly can you think of a promise is one of those things that I want to draw out today. And it's shocking. I was glad that someone said the promise we heard in our reading today because it's rather shocking that when you think about it, if you go back in your history, you probably didn't hear, odds are, someone preach on Noah. If you think about it, it was one, it's an oddity that while this is one of the biggest promises that God made, giving a promise to all of creation as we hear in our text today, it wasn't in most liturgical rotations until fairly recently. Just think about that for a second. We have a promise that God gives to all of his world, and yet we don't hear it. Instead, what do we do? We push it off to Sunday school in VBS, where we hear about the animals coming by twosies by twosies, including the kangaroosies. You laugh, but I mean, that's kind of what we do. And so it's the, what do you think of when it comes to Noah and the ark? Well, we think of the two by twos, and then people get confused. They go, wait, some of them were more than two by two? There were some that there were more? There were not just Noah on the ark, but he had a family with him? These little details just go missing in our lives. It's just like, how long were they on the ark? Well, on first glance, people say, well, 40 days and 40 nights. And then you start actually looking at the text, and you go, oh, it was a whole lot longer than 40 days and 40 nights. That's just how long the massive traumatic floodwaters were coming, pouring out, as then the waters receded for 150 days. And then there was a time period he waited before sending out a bird, because after all that water, it's the, you probably don't want to go out until you know it's safe. And the bird returned. And so then he sent out another dove. And after that dove didn't return, he waited even longer. And it just keeps going of how long he waited still. And the calculations range between 370 to 371 days on the ark. Over a year on the ark. And yet we say 40 days and 40 nights, and we're just flabbergasted when we think about that. But yet, the promise that we get today, the promise that we hear is so much more than just protection for Noah, his family, and the animals that were present. Instead, what we heard was God repeat multiple times that all flesh will never again be cut off by the waters in a great flood. Never again will a great flood destroy all the earth. When we hear this, we think through of why was there a great flood, the aspect we never like talking about in Sunday school, of why was there this huge flood? Well, the aspect that we don't often like to think about of how seriously God takes sin as he hears and sees and is seeing all of the wickedness, all of the violence, 
all of the destruction that we caused. When we look at that, take that in for a moment, that God looked upon his creation that he said was very good, and it drove him to say, this isn't worth it. This needs to be wiped out. This needs to be gone. And it pained him. We have a God who takes sin very seriously. It hurts him deeply. But yet, at the same time, we have a God who, at the same time of saying there is great punishment for sin, also is a God of hope, grace, and love. Because he then finds that Noah and his family were found righteous. And note that that doesn't mean that they were perfect. Far from it, as we then see just after this promise is given, as sin is still throughout the world and we see it every day of our life, that we see the effects of sin are still there with Noah, we see that sin is still rampant in our day-to-day lives. But yet, as we look at this, we hear of a God who, though he is pained by what sin does, his love for you, for what he has made, his grace is greater than the pain that we cause him. Why are we looking at covenants? Well, one of the first reasons that we are doing this is to look at the fact that though there was so much pain in his sight and that he is feeling that pain of what he has made, he holds fast to what he has promised, that never again will he have that wiping out of all that he made. Never again will he go through. And he doesn't just say that. He says it again and again and again in this passage. How many times does he say it? If you go through, you probably get a little bit of that repetition for as you're reading it, you're like, okay, how many times is God going to be saying it? But again, we can go back to Noah was on that ark for about 370 days. Imagine the trauma of knowing that everything and everyone that you knew was wiped out. God is reassuring. This is the next thing that we hear. That as we hear of the trauma of what this would be and how much we can see this in people's eyes, when you then hear about people that have experienced mass floods, traumas, earthquakes, disasters, economic collapses, you can see it on their faces. There is one person that I talk to at least once a month and usually without fail. He will share with me the pain that he experienced of a financial collapse as he talks about being here in Seattle when the housing market collapsed. And he will have his eyes glaze over when he talks about seeing signs by the airport of don't forget us, you who got away. That has stuck with him after all of these years that that has shaped him after all of these years. As he said that houses were just going for nothing and that everything he thought he had saved was worthless. That's the amazing promise that God, though, speaks to. 
that you have a God who says that even though everything seems worthless and is wiped out, he has promised that he will not be the one to go and say it will be wiped out forever and it is worthless in his sight, that he still values you despite our sin, despite all that we see around us, that he still says in his covenantal promise that you are valued to him and that he is present. How much he is saying that he will remember as much as you are called to remember. And in the same way, we see an echoing foreshadow of just as he promises that you are valued and he loves his creation, how much we get that out of the destruction that is there in Noah's life and the creation that he made, a glimpse of what is to come, of out of the destruction of a cross, out of a brutal death and a closed tomb, we hold on to promise of how much God values you, of how much many of the promises you held on to when I asked you what are the promises that you hold to that you went to Christ and the greater promises that he has in store for you. Remember who you are. The reason we're starting with Noah in this series is because Noah becomes a great way of seeing those reminders that God gives. As a rainbow is there after a storm, what reminds you of the promises that God has given in Christ? What reminds you of who you are in Christ Jesus? What are the ways that you remind yourself of who God has called you to be, both now and for all eternity? that he has given you so many reminders in the washing of baptism as we receive communion, as we enter into his word, as we turn to him in prayer, that there are so many ways that he says, remember, that as we go through Lent, we are called to remind ourselves again of what truly is important, that this is who your God is, that just like for Noah, as he is shell-shocked after what happened in the flood, there are so many things that can take you away from that that you can go through and say, Lord, there is so much wrong in this world. But that you have a Lord who says, remember that. Just as he promises that he will remember the wounds that are in his arms and in his sides. That that's not something he's going to forget. Don't forget it either. And so over the next couple of weeks, as we go through promises that God has, I encourage you to start thinking through and reflecting on those promises that are all around you because we have a God who says that his love, his promises don't fade away. In Jesus' name, amen.